Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. We have recently begun a short series entitled, What Next? Today we're going to be concluding a message that we began last time simply titled, A Time to Die. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. Paul knew who Jesus was both from the scriptures and from personal revelation. And Paul knew about death and heaven, both from scripture, but also by personal experience. Paul had been there, and Paul said it was paradise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, since none of us have died, we cannot draw on our own personal experience. We can only draw on the experience of others. But Paul said this immediately. There was no loss of consciousness. There was no soul sleep. There was no purgatory. Immediately at the point of death, he was caught up into the third heaven, and it was what? Paradise. Now, folks, let me just add this in passing, as there are many skeptics out there that try to discredit the Bible. Even the most uh, 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 zealous skeptics, men like H.G. Wells, that deny that Jesus was the Messiah, all of them acknowledge the existence of this man, Saul, his radical transformation to become the Apostle Paul. All of them acknowledge eight books that he written were actually written by Paul without question. Now, we know that he wrote 14. We don't have problems with that. But I'm telling you, even the opposition acknowledges that there was a guy who was radically transformed named Paul and at least eight letters definitely came from Paul in the early 50s A.D. Two of those letters were 1st and 2nd Corinthians and one was Philippians. By the way, those are what we're drawing from today. So is this reliable evidence for us to present? Absolutely. Illustration number two or piece of evidence number two, Paul's confident expectation yet admitted reservation. This text will come from Philippians. Paul was at this time in a Roman prison. The church at Philippi, which had been one of the churches that he started, actually the first church in Europe, loved Paul and had faithfully supported Paul and followed up with Paul and they sent a love offering. In fact, the pastor of Philippi actually came to see Paul while he was in prison, brought him a letter from the church of encouragement and Paul sent a letter back to the church encouraging them. But I want you to read with me here in chapter 1 beginning in verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing shall I be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified or made clear. People will see Christ abundantly in me, whether it be by my living or by my death, my martyrdom. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor." Yet what shall I choose? I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. 
Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Let's make some observations as we go through this. First of all, Paul said, I am in the Lord's hands. It's up to him whether I continue in this body, but to die is gain. Now, folks, that is a term that's generally used in financial terms. In fact, variations of this Greek word is translated money, coin, and lucre in other passages of the Bible. So it is in this context that Paul is stating that death personally would be profitable to him. It would be a windfall to him. It would be a bonus for him. Now, observation number two. Note where Paul knows he will be at the moment that happens. With Christ. Okay, quick quiz. Where was the Apostle Paul convinced that he would be immediately upon death? With Christ. It says right there on the second to the bottom line. Where is Jesus today? He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Where did Paul go when he was stoned to death at Lystra? Same place, the third heaven. And Paul said here without equivocation that it would be better for him personally. It would be profitable for him. It would be gain if he died as he would be with Jesus. Now let me restate that. To continue living personally would be entirely up to Jesus and for his purpose and for his glory, Paul says. But to die personally for Paul would be gain. It would be profit. It would be benefit. Now consider what Paul was acknowledging here. Let's stop and think for a minute. The material part of Paul, his body might be beheaded. His body might be impaled. His body might be burned. His body might be crucified. But the immaterial part of Paul, his soul, which would be with Christ, would be more better. Would be, in fact, verse 23, it uses that term. He says it would be far better. So his soul would be far better. His soul would simply depart is the term that's used in verse 23. By the way, it's the same meaning we have today. When you go down to the airport, you see arrivals and departures. That's the same word. Simply, hey, uh, I'm going to depart the church in a little while and arrive at Twin Hills to have lunch. Paul said, I am going to depart from this body and be with Jesus, which is far better. Now, His physical body, now think about this for a minute, folks, because this is practical living now. This is the real stuff. This is what we all wrestle with. His physical body might be without its head. It might be tossed in a grave to decompose. But Paul said, the conscience part of me, my soul would depart from the body to be with Christ, which would be far better, exceedingly better, be great gain. So again, in this passage, do we see soul sleep? No. Do we see purgatory? No. Do you see nothingness? No. Now, though his material body would have no life, Paul would very much be alive, and his existence would be exceedingly abundantly better. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, folks, stop for a moment and consider this. Breathe this in. We read this all the time. As a Christian, the moment a believer closes his eyes in death, he is with Jesus in heaven. Okay, do you really believe that? Okay, let me ask you a question. Why aren't we comfortable with the thought? Okay, let's get comfortable here and recognize that we're no different than Paul. Paul says without question. Are you listening? Are you still here? We can dismiss right now and we can be the first one. We can beat St. Luke's to lunch. Paul says without question that he knows 
it would be a windfall if he were to face martyrdom as he personally would receive great gain, he says. He would receive profit. It would be far better, or his terms, for his soul to be with Jesus than to remain in his body. And Paul prayed confidently that he knew God was going to answer his prayer and he would be delivered by prison. How? Either by his release or by his martyrdom. And his prayer, look at it, to my earnest expectation and in hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, that Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Ladies and gentlemen, his prayer was to be faithful even unto death. His prayer was that in the face of suffering, in the face of pain, in the face of dying, he would be strong enough to be faithful unto death. Boldness when facing the executioner. He says, hey, I don't want to fail. I don't want to shame Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you this. Do you think Paul knew who Jesus was? Oh, absolutely. Paul had seen him face to face on the road to Damascus. Ladies and gentlemen, did Paul know that heaven existed? Absolutely. He had been there and he had described it personally as being paradise. Paul knew the facts about how much better it would be to be with Jesus and suffering in this body, yet he was torn. Part of Paul was tired. Tired of getting beat up, tired of the work, yearned to go home and be with Jesus. But a part of Paul wanted to stay here with those that he loved. Can anyone relate to that? And more than that, folks, he was concerned that even though he knew that death was simply the departure of the soul from this body to heaven to be with Jesus, he prayed for boldness and strength that when things really got tough, that when things really got painful, that when he faced the executioner's blade, he wouldn't waver. Folks, is it wrong for a Christian to want to live? No. Is it wrong for a Christian to want to be with his family and friends? No. Don't feel guilty for the God-given desire to survive. It is the God-given instinct that causes you to duck when you hear a loud noise. It's a God-given instinct that causes you to pull your hand away from a, from a flame. We don't like pain because God made us that way. We don't race toward death because God made us that way. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't fear death either. Because we know that Jesus has overcome death and that when we do step through that doorway, it will be into his arms. Evidence number three, Paul's observation of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. Saul was a witness to this event. We see in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was preaching an unpopular message boldly to the Jews there in Jerusalem. And he was blasting them for their being stiff-necked and stubborn. And he went through Jewish history with how many times God had to call twice before they finally listened. He began with Abraham. Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, yet went only to Haran rather than to the Promised Land. And it took a while for Abraham obeyed and went the rest of the way. He talked about the 12 sons of Jacob who initially resisted Joseph, but then one day clung to Joseph when they saw him as a ruler in Egypt. He talked about Moses that originally was rejected by his people. 
Who are you to reign over us? But one day when he came back, his people followed him. Talked about how the Jews rebelled after God had delivered them out of captivity in Egypt and wouldn't go into to Israel, but the next generation did. So he's pointing out just how stiff-necked and stubborn they would. And then he said, your fathers have killed the prophets and you have rejected and killed the Messiah. Boy, this made them furious. They dragged him outside the city and they stoned him to death. And in Acts 7, 55, by the way, you'll notice that Saul was right there. Saul had voted for death And Saul was right there with the cloaks of those throwing the stones, laying at his feet. Saul observed all of this. And notice what the Scripture says. And Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, gazed up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried, the Jews, with a loud voice, and covered their ears, and ran upon him, and won the cord, and cast him out of the city, and stoned him. The witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, as Stephen was calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said clearly in John 8.51 when he was having a confrontation with the Pharisees right after he had said, I am the light of the world. Just before he said, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus made this statement, anyone who keeps, who listens, who obeys, who follows my words will never see death. Let me ask you, ladies and gentlemen, is he talking about physical death? Did Stephen die physically? Yes, but what, notice what happened. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Folks, I can't give you a testimony. I've never died. No one here can give a testimony. Has anybody here died and can, can tell us about it? Folks, God, by His grace, has given us these testimonies for our comfort. Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never see death. Stephen Before his body hit the ground, as he knelt, he gazed up into heaven. God pulled back the veil from this three-dimensional existence into that one. And Stephen was having a conversation with Jesus as he was stepping out of his body and into heaven. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Paul on the road at Lystra as he was being stoned to death said whether I was actually dead or just close to it I know this I was caught up to the third heaven and it was paradise the garden of God absent from the body present with the Lord point number four Paul's comfort to Corinth and folks we will go into this in greater detail in in future weeks as we're talking about this period of time between physical death and the resurrection but let me just make a couple of points here as we go through this that i think are very encouraging begin reading with me in second corinthians chapter 4 beginning in verse 16 though our outward man perish what's he talking about the body the material you material me this flesh by the way do you notice that every day every day i look in the mirror and i see this outward man perishing My wife gets me these vitamin C stuff to try to rub on my face so it's less wrinkles. Ain't working. Other day, I noticed that we had one of the uh, uh, toilet paper holders in one of our bathrooms was getting a little loose. So I thought, all I need is an Allen wrench. 
I can tighten that up. It took me about 30 minutes. And that was just to get off the ground once I was down there. I wasn't sure I was going to make it. I thought we were going to have to get one of those elephant hoists or, you know, what they get when Shamu beaches himself. And they... Though the outward man, the material man perishes, yet the inward man, what's that? Your soul is renewed, is made new, is made fresh day by day, every day. Notice verse 17. And notice the contrast here. For our light affliction that we are experiencing currently in these bodies, which for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. In other words, our light affliction now compared to the eternal, what is this? A temporary light affliction versus the eternal weight of the glory that's in store for us. Verse 18, while we look not at things which are seen, don't focus on the wrinkled face. Don't look at things which are seen, but instead look at things which are not seen. Boy, that's interesting. How do you look on something that you cannot see? Because it's not talking about the physical eyes. It's talking about the eyes of your heart by faith as we believe. I, I stuck my nose in here and heard Stan preaching this morning talking about Titus. Paul's letter to Titus and about how we have this hope because we why do we have this hope because we know that God cannot lie you can't see that but you know it we look not at the things which are seen don't look what you see but focus on what you can't see because what you see is only temporary but the things that you can't see with your eyes are what's eternal. Verse 4, for we that are in this tabernacle, that word means a tent, a temporary dwelling, speaking of this body, we groan being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Paul says even though we are weighed down with burdens of this body, we don't have a desire to take this body off. We don't have a desire to die. Wait, what's that saying? Folks, God has given us a will to live. It's ingrained. We do look forward to the day when we will be in heaven. We look forward to the day when we will receive our glorified body. But Christians don't have a desire to go running into traffic on I-35 and trying to hit a truck. God has saved us and left us here in order to serve Him now with our bodies which belong to Him. And just as we read in Paul's letter to Philippi a moment ago, we are pulled in two directions. Folks, we know by faith that what's in heaven is far better based upon the promises of God and that God cannot lie. But we also have a desire to, to live. Is that wrong? Apparently not. Paul said he did multiple times. We have a desire to be with our family. We have a desire to grow old and watch our kids grow old. Why? So we can laugh at them. <laughs> Told you. Paul was confident at death. 
But he was not looking forward to the event of death. Boy, I feel better. Verse 6, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Paul says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. But we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul knew from personal experience, and we know it by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. To be absent from the body is to be present. Where? Ladies and gentlemen, one day, if Jesus tarries, you are going to die. And so am I. The immaterial part of me is going to depart from the material part of me. And what the Bible says is that that very instant, as we will never see death, the immaterial part of me will immediately be with Jesus, just as we saw in the account of Stephen, just as Paul experienced, just as Jesus promised. The material me is going to grow old. The material me may one day be stricken with cancer. The material me may be shot by one of my fans. The material me may die in a, in a tragic car accident. And the material me, or what's left of it, will be placed into a grave, but the immaterial me will immediately be in the presence of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, as Christians, we will never see death. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. Let me close with one illustration, and I really couldn't come with, with a great one, but this is as good as it's going to get. We go to Branson periodically. And my sons, my wife refuses to do this because she's got good sense, but my sons and I love to get on the roller coaster. And, uh, you know, we've ridden the roller coaster hundreds of times. Have great confidence in the roller coaster. Otherwise, we wouldn't get in it or get in, and ride it. But every time, the first time we get back to Branson, after not being there for a couple of years, we get in the roller coaster. The first time we pull out of the gate and we start going up that hill, click, 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 click. And I start looking around. I get a, a feeling in the pit of my stomach. What in the world are you doing? And there is this anxiety there. And I feign bravery by making jokes with my sons. It's been good, good, you've been good boys. <laughs> been good, good living with you boys. <laughs> On the insides, I'm going, boy, I hope we don't die. <laughs> But you know, I, I have great confidence in that roller coaster. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten on it. I put my faith 
in the roller coaster when I got in the seat and buckled a little deal down. Now I can have all the anxiety as I want going up that hill. It's not necessary. Because you know what? Every time turns out just as I knew it would. The same thing is true with us, ladies and gentlemen. God has given us His abundant, precious promises. I think everyone in this room, I hope, has bent their knee and put their all on Jesus, trusting Him completely for salvation and trusting Him completely for heaven. Folks, there may be some points where you feel some bits of anxiety. But remember, even Paul, who had seen Jesus, felt that anxiety. Even Paul, who had been caught up and seen the third heaven and knew that it was paradise, felt a little bit of that anxiety. Because God has given us a desire to survive. It's part of our nature, the nature that God created within us. But ladies and gentlemen, we can with 100% confidence as we have ample, and by the way, we could go on and on and on and on, but for the sake of time, we just did those four. We can trust that God will not lie to us. And that for a Christian, when this body gives up, when we run out of gas, we can know, as Paul said, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. We can know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Has there been a time in your life where you have gone to your knees either literally or in your heart recognizing that you are in fact a sinner that don't deserve heaven and recognizing that Jesus died so that you could go to heaven. Has there been a point in time in your life where you have cried out to Jesus who gave His life for ours, who shed His blood as the atonement for our sins? who suffered the penalty that we all owe. And then, as He promised He would be, was raised from the dead three days later so that we could all, with 100% confidence, know with complete assurance that our sin was paid for and Jesus is the Lord. Has there been a point in time in your life where you have cried out to Jesus saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting you as my Savior and trusting you as my Lord. We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time as we continue our series entitled, What Next? Until next time, may God richly bless you. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. 
You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.